if you're choosing to formula feed, then you should learn safe formula handling, you know, uh, guidance and how to um, prep bottles. You should you should leave a class feeling empowered to you know execute on the decisions that you've made. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Jessica, the founder of The Parent Collective, about how she helps moms find community and learn about childbirth and postpartum in a judgment-free environment. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm so happy to have you here and really just jump into this conversation. So if you would like, go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. This is so exciting. Um, my name is Jessica. Uh, I um, am the founder of the Parent Collective, which is an evidence-based, well, started as an evidence-based prenatal um, class series um, designed to help couples uh, find a support network through the lens or through, through this, using prenatal education as the sort of sticky stuff to help them connect. Um, we have been in existence for uh, six years now and have expanded to offer new mom groups over Zoom um, and coaching for moms who may be struggling with the transition into motherhood. Um, and I think it's important to just say why I started the Parent Collective. Um, I had both of my boys. I'm a mother of two. Um, I had both of my boys in England. Um, and I was, you know, living an expat life and didn't sort of have ties into the community really, and was really apprehensive about having kids without much of a support network, um, locally. And one of my friends told me that I needed to sign up for a class called the NCT, which stands for the National Childbirth Trust. And she said, that's where you're going to make your mommy friends. And so I've drug, you know, dragged my husband along and sort of said, we're here to make friends, you know, play nice. And we went to this class. And the beauty of the NCT um, is that it sorts all of its participants by their neighborhood and their due date. So everybody in your class lives local to you and is due within a month or so of you. And they really make an effort to kind of get discussion going and get the group meeting outside of class. And so I left this class and my husband left this class with this amazing network that saw us through, you know, I mean, my, my maternity leave was spent mostly in someone's living room, <laughs> breastfeeding and, you know, whinging about the day's struggles, you know, and, and some of my best friends to this day, I mean, my eldest is 12, are still some of my best friends. And so I came back to the States when my youngest was two, and would ask friends, you know, with no intention of starting a business, but just asking what their experience was like, because I knew, it, you know, it was different here from the UK. And the vast majority of my friends said that they felt really isolated. They were lonely. You know, they, um, you know, some of them even said that they were sort of, sec they felt shame because they were secretly excited to go back to work because they just sort of felt lost, you know, at home. And Almost everybody told me that they didn't find their 
mom friends until their their kids started preschool. And I just thought, what a missed opportunity that is for connection. Because we're when you're when you're expecting, you know, we're all so excited and nervous about this next stage. And so you're so open to con- to meeting people who are in that same boat as you. And I think once you've had your baby, there are a lot of sort of things that could impede your ability to connect, you know, whether it's that you're exhausted and you don't feel like you, you don't feel like yourself, right? You feel sort of like, I felt like I couldn't think in complete sentences for months after I had my, my first, cause I was so delirious. Um, you know, or maybe you're struggling with feeding or maybe you're worried you're going to be judged because you're not, you know, you feel insecure about parenting, you know, whatever it is, there are these barriers to being real with people after you've had your baby. But if you've met those people before your baby arrives, then you can just let it all hang out and be like, you know, me in my pre baby state, you know, and so I can be real and say, gosh, this is hard. Or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm losing my mind. I'm my husband, you know, sleeps through, you know, the baby crying in the middle of the night, then I have murderous thoughts, you know, these, these sort of, you could just be real in a way that maybe you couldn't in a new mom's group, if that makes sense. So that's why I started <laughs> collective in, in short. Yeah, that's amazing. I think, you know, it's, it's very true that, you know, it is hard to find those mom friends. And sometimes when you ask like other people, like, how did you find your mom friends or, you know, like things like that? It is not until, you know, your child's in school or something that like confines them to like that specific age that you're really kind of connecting with people that are on the same level as you. Because I think there is such a unique time frame that happens in that early motherhood stage that you just kind of disattach from unless you're in it at that moment. And I think it's it's just kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. But like you said, like putting you in not only like the neighborhood, but just close to the due date, you know, you're having people that are going through like those same like emotions leading up to like all throughout pregnancy leading up to delivery. And then like those early, early months of just, you know, like you said, like, sleep deprived, like struggling with something or just like an absolute complete bliss of like, wow, this baby's like so beautiful and wonderful. Like they haven't had any tantrums yet or haven't said the word no. So, you know, like you're kind of just still in this like sweet spot and this little bubble of of time. And I think, you know, like when, when we're not able to find that or, you know, sometimes there is like I did like a prenatal Uh, yoga, like stuff like that, or like a birthing class, like, unless you're going somewhere specifically geared towards one general topic, I would say, you're not finding those groups that are, you know, it could be any mom from anywhere. But the only thing in common you have is the age of your child. Yeah. And I I do think I, you know, there is something special, like you were saying, that happens when you have somebody that's on that ride with you in that moment. You know, I have a, one of my dear friends had a baby later than me, right? So I, she had a, you know, a baby when my kids were, you know, seven, you know, and she would call me and, you know, she would be, you know, full of anxiety about 
whether it was a sleep regression or, you know, a growth spurt and, you know, just the struggles around breastfeeding during a growth spurt. And, you know, I, I log like I logically and intellectually knew that, but I wasn't in the emotional, like the immediacy of that feeling wasn't there for me at that moment. It was, you know, seven years earlier, but having somebody that can, that real, really viscerally <laughs> reacts to those, those struggles in, in, it is so helpful. I mean, it's just, it's different, you know, and once you're out of it, like you said, you're on to the next thing, you know, I'm now, you know, dealing with screen time and struggling with putting limits around screen time or homework, you know, and so it's, you sort of drop all of the previous knowledge that you had around, you know, nap schedules to make room for these new phases that you enter. So uh, so yeah, so the parent collective classes are the same structure as these NCT, NCT classes were that I had taken. So everybody is due around the same time and lives in the same area. Um, the only caveat is that we have Zoom prenatal classes now so that people are from all over, but they're all due at the same time. So you can build like a, you know, a, a virtual community, even if it's not close by. So that's amazing. And you said you've been doing this for six years. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it started out, it was started out really small and slow because, you know, as a small business owner who is up against hospital classes or doctor's practice classes, it took a really like long time to get word of mouth going and to get critical mass in the classes so that people really did get that intended community. And I feel like in the past two years, we've kind of really hit our stride and we're, you know, able to kind of offer other, you know, workshops and, and, um, you know, first aid and CPR and things like that, just to sort of help educate and support new parents on the journey. So do you have mothers coming in who are pregnant or is it postpartum period, a mix of both? It's a mix of both, but primarily we're known for our prenatal series. So, um, you know, expectant moms usually reach out to us in their late, you know, early, early second trimester to kind of learn more. Um, and we advise them to take our series late second, early third trimester. Um, and the series consists of, it covers labor and delivery and late, late pregnancy, labor and delivery. And then there, the second class is pain management, relaxation, and C-sections. The third class is breast and bottle feeding, and the fourth class is new baby care. And I um, very consciously created the classes to be agenda free, so they're very you bring to the table what you know your hopes and dreams are for your delivery and your you know raising your baby. And if that is a planned C-section and formula feeding, we have the information for you so that you feel supported. Um, and if it's that you want a natural childbirth and, you know, so one thing I didn't like about the National Childbirth Trust classes was that they were very agenda driven and very judgmental. I just didn't want to um, traumatize anybody. And I don't think it's anybody else's place to tell a woman or a couple how they should deliver or raise their child. So um, and then I obviously don't have a medical background. So the, all of the teachers for our classes are labor and delivery nurses or certified nurse midwives. So, you know, we made a 
conscious choice to have somebody teaching that was familiar with what's happening in hospitals and the policies and how how procedures tend to go so that so that you can get an accurate picture if you're giving if you're having a hospital delivery of what that might look like. That's awesome. That's really amazing. And like you said, I think, you know, there is kind of how I was saying before, sometimes when you pick a class, it is very specifically driven towards like one way or another. There isn't that like broad free range of whatever you choose is right to you and and for your plan. And I think, you know, it's fine to like advocate towards a certain way or feel a certain way, like how, how you want to deliver or how you want to feed your baby and, and whatnot. But like, like you said, like putting that kind of, you know, label on like, this is how you need to mother. I think like nobody needs that. Nobody needs that like extra extended pressure. And, you know, like I said, like educating them is one thing, but like, and like informing them on, on all the different options are fine, but like whatever they choose, I do believe like that is the mother's choice. That is the parent's choice. Like that is the way that they want to, you know, have, have their child. And, and I don't feel like we need to be pigeonholing people into like, because that does lead to, I think like all the shame and the guilt and, and everything that comes afterwards. And, and they should be entitled to be informed parents in the, you know, choices that they're making. I mean, if, if you're choosing to formula feed, then you should learn safe formula handling, you know, uh, guidance and how to um, prep bottles. You should, you should leave a class feeling empowered to, you know, execute on the decisions that you've made, not feel like you said, shame that you've made the wrong choice in somebody else's eyes. And who is that person to tell you? Yeah. And then what are your thoughts, you know, like thinking about everything in advance? Like, you know, I, I, I believe a lot of the times we focus so much on the birth and we don't really dig into that postpartum period. And, and that is something that I really strive to, to pull up and, and dig into more and really kind of shed light on because it's more than just the birth. It's, it's everything that comes after it too. Like the birth is how your child comes into this world, but everything after that is is a whole new journey. And so, you know, what do you advise new parents or what do you think is important to focus on when thinking in advance? Sure. Um, so I completely agree. My husband used to always say, having a baby is a marathon, not a sprint. And when I would get sort of, you know, do, 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 and just be sort of manic, because, you know, you can find yourself being a little manic in those early days, he would say, you know, you're going to burn yourself out. And we're week two, like you, there's 18 years, <laughs> you need to, you know, pace yourself and just be kind to yourself, like it'll get done eventually, we don't need everything to get done now. So that, you know, just having some grace for yourself um, in those early weeks and months, I think is so important. But I, so, I mean, one thing that I do, I mean, I, as you probably have gathered, I think that it is really important to try and seek out friends that can kind of go on this ride with you. Um, you know, whether it's even finding a, a supportive Facebook group that is a place that you can ask questions. You know, there's, there's one near me called Balanced Mama. And, you know, women go on there. Um, it's really a judgment-free space and they can ask 
the questions that they're looping out about, right? Because I, I remember when my son was going through a growth spurt and I, you know, I didn't know what was happening. He was feeding every 20 minutes and I was freaking out and it was, you know, I could feel myself kind of spiraling and I wrote to the, you know, my friends that were in this class and I said, oh my God, I think my milk supply is drying up. I'm sure that, you know, this is the end of my breastfeeding journey. Uh, you know, I'm so stressed and he's so stressed. And w- within a couple minutes, one of my friends wrote back and said, oh, that happened to me last week. It's just him preparing you, you know, for a growth spurt and it just to increase your milk supply. It's totally fine. And just like that, right, it, that cloud lifted and it was like, oh, I can, okay, so I can get through this. It's just a day and it'll be behind me. But if you don't have those people to reach out to, you know, you, you'll be in your head. And I, so I, I, I really think finding people that you can lean on in those early weeks and months is important. Um, I would also say that lining up, even if you don't know if you're going to need them or not, lining up and just having done a little bit of research for supports, whether they be an IBCLC if you're breastfeeding, you know, just or a lactation counselor, somebody that if something, if you're struggling, you just have you have a name that you can call, you know, um, you know, postpartum doulas, you know, you know, sleep consultants, you know, just having. Uh, a list of resources of people that you, you know, if you find you're struggling in any way, you don't then need to start your research, but you have people at the ready. Because what I hear from lactation consultants time and time again is that people wait until they're at their wits end to call them. And, you know, it makes it much harder to solve any problems. Whereas if you reach out as soon as you feel like something's not right or, you know, I'm struggling, then you can get yourself sort of redirected on the right path. And it's just a much easier journey for you. So I just, I think it's really worthwhile to just take a little time to crowdsource and find some supports that you may or may not need, but it's just good to have them in your back pocket if and when uh, the moment arises. Um, Did you use any, any supports when you're daughter was born? Yeah. I mean, I think exactly like how you were saying, I think uh, it's important to be more proactive than reactive when it comes to the postpartum period, because in those moments, sometimes it can really just feel like, oh my gosh, this is the end. Like it's all downhill from here. Like it's very kind of like overwhelming, overreacting. Like you just feel like there's just too much going on and now this and and where do I go? What do I, and like you don't have the time to or, or the headspace. You don't have that headspace to really be searching for those people. You don't have a calm moment to sit in front of your computer and do a little bit of like a Google search, if you will, like to find this person or that person and things like that, I think it's just very much like it could even just be like two in the morning. And now you're like, Oh, my gosh, like, why is my baby crying? Or what's going on with my milk supply? Things like that. And um, for me, I went into it thinking like, I'm going to breastfeed, this is going to be the easiest thing in the world. Like all I have to do is just put the baby on your boob and, and it will just flow and everything will be okay. And I mean, mind you, like our breastfeeding journey was like, I guess like 
average as far as like successfulness and stuff. But like I was still kind of, am I doing this right? Is she eating enough? What's going on? Like she would fall asleep at the breast all the time, like constantly. So I was like, is this normal? Like, why is she falling asleep? What's going on? And my pediatrician actually had suggested um, a, a breastfeeding support group that was in the basement of a church that was local to us. And I had gone there when I was on maternity leave just to kind of like, you know, you get to watch other moms feed, you get to see like how they're doing. They had uh, lactation consultants there that were able to, you know, give you pointers or tips or, or tell you these things. So it was kind of suggested. I mean, she was born in August. She just had her second birthday. And it was suggested just to, you know, strip her down to just a diaper and tickle her toes <laughs> to wake her up. And I mean, that worked. It helped. And once she was a little bit older, you know, she would stay awake longer and feed longer and things like that. But, you know, I was just clueless to how intensive breastfeeding was going to be. And, you know, like they say, like, oh, you know, feed them every two hours. But she would latch on and maybe feed for 45 minutes or an hour, like even if it was just like subtle sucking and stuff like that. So I didn't want to stop her. But by the time, you know, that hour is complete, then you really only have about like maybe 40 minutes to an hour to like do whatever you want to do while still like tending to them before, oh, it's it's two hours now, you know. So it was like a constant upkeep that you don't really realize until you're there in that moment yourself. And it's different for every baby, every mom, like every situation. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, knowledge is power, right? And just having that resource, should you have any questions or, you know, is it's empowering, right? It, you You have a solution to the problem should the problem arise. So I think that's useful. Um, the other thing that I would say that I think is so important and like almost universally overlooked is to really have a lot of conversations with your partner before your baby arrives. I mean, whether those conversations are about your hopes and expectations for what pregnancy and those early months are going to look like, you know, whether it's talking openly about, you know, these are things that I need in the, you know, to feel human. And I need you to help me prioritize them, whether it's, you know, I need to exercise and I need you to help me with the baby so that I can exercise or, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like, just having an open conversation about what those weeks and months are going to look like. Because once the baby arrives, those conversations very quickly feel charged, right? Charged with emotion, with judgment, <laughs> with you know, and can quickly sort of spiral into arguments like, you know, you're not pulling your weight, you know, th that's the undertone can very quickly feel like a judgment. And so I think being really open and, 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 um, you know, maybe having a conversations about, you know, who's going to do what, you know, who's going to do the, who's going to do the dream feed. I mean, my, I, I was very clear with my husband that I am borderline crazy without sleep. Like, and that was the thing that I was most anxious about was my emotional well-being because of the sleep deprivation. And so he 
took on the dream feed. Like I would pump and he would feed our son with a bottle in the middle of the night. And just knowing that that had been established, right, that they didn't, it didn't need to be who's getting up, who's going to be punched, you know, in the middle of the night when the baby cries. And, um, and don't get me wrong, we still had plenty of those, those, those uh, whisper fights, you know, but I think just having that established before your baby comes is hugely, hugely helpful. Um, and I, building on from that, I think even in the most kind of equal households or, you know, most evolved households, when a baby comes, a lot of the sort of work around a baby and the household work ends up falling to the mother because they're home on maternity leave. It just, it, it just sort of, you sort of wake up one day and go, oh, <laughs> what happened? You know? And I think having conversations about that, about who's going to do what around the house before the baby comes, again, before it's charged with that emotion um, from everybody being tired and irritable is also really helpful. Um, there's a book um, that I'm totally obsessed with called Fair Play. Have you heard of this book by no. Eve Rodsky? So um, Eve Rodsky wrote this book called Fair Play, which is all about helping couple, helping families sort of share the load in the household. And just, you know, we always uh, hear about, you know, the invisible work and and um, emotional labor and all of these things that moms largely fall to moms and being mindful of that and thinking about kind of what buckets of work can your partner be doing on a regular basis and establishing that before the baby comes so that you can kind of start as you mean to go on, um, I think is so valuable. So yeah, a lot of the times, like if you are breastfeeding, maybe your partner or even yourself, you're like, well, what else is there to do? You know, and it's kind of like I was saying, like you're if you're breastfeeding, you're sometimes confined to the same location for an extended period of time and you need to eat also. You need to be like making sure that you're drinking water and and getting like the proper nutrients and everything that you need. Like maybe you just need like something to entertain you or help pass the time. Like of course you want to just stare at your baby all day, but like that that sometimes you know can only go so far and and you really kind of get stir crazy and so sometimes i think it's like our partners will kind of be like well what's my job like what am i supposed to do like they feel like if i can't feed the baby and all it's doing is eating sleeping and pooping like you know what what am i supposed to do like what are they just supposed to like change all the diapers and you do all the feedings and it's like there's so much more that goes into it and i think having that conversation and really getting down like some sort of process or at least like like you said just starting the conversation of how do you think it's going to go what do you think it's going to look like what are we going to do if this comes up or how are we going to do this i think that's so important and again something that's so overlooked and all the baby books that you read or the classes that you take like you know sometimes you think like oh i've i've read enough of the book or you know like i dug into this enough and it's not until the very end that that postpartum information and period comes in and you're like, oh, I'll worry about that later. But when you're in it, you're not able to process sometimes 
like what's going to go on and what's going to happen. And, you know, right now we're preparing for our second. And I feel like I at least have a little bit of a better understanding of what it's going to kind of look like. But again, like every baby's different. Every birth is different. Every scenario is different. But going into it, knowing that like, okay, we've had our conversations. We've had like our topics of like how this is going to go and whatnot. And also understanding that however it does go is going to be okay. (laughs) You know? (laughs) But you're a team, right? And that's the, and and those conversations are in service to being the most functional, most supportive team that you can be, right? Like if you're breastfeeding and doing that, you know, for however many, I mean, there's all those statistics about how it's more than a full-time job when you're breastfeeding. Maybe the conversation is, okay, can you just be, you're the, the, you're the laundry guy. You are in charge of laundry. I'm never going to think about laundry. That is your domain. Or, you know, you're the dishes guy. Like I'm never going to think about dishes. That's not, you know, and, and then it, not only does it free you up, free up from tasks, but it also just frees you up mentally with your checklist in your head, right. Of the endless things that need doing. So. I think that that's, and the last thing I'll say, because I, on this topic of just preparing for what's coming, is that if there are any things that you can automate or streamline um, in advance, like putting diapers on a subscription so that you don't ever have to go, oh my God, we're out of diapers, you know, or, you know, pet food or just things that are staples that you can just know are kind of being delivered and you don't have to think about them. Or maybe, you know, a meal service thing so that it removes the kind of endless slog of thinking about meals. I can't. I'm, I, I, that's the bane of my existence, thinking about meals for a 10 and 12 year old boy where no matter what I make, somebody is giving me feedback. It drives me crazy. So, you know, thinking, just coming up with, you know, little ways that you can kind of remove something from your plate. I think that those can go a long way just because... Those are the kinds of, you know, there's nothing more annoying than discovering in the middle of the night that you're out of diapers. And I will, I remember when my, my husband in the UK, nothing's open 24, 24 hours. So he was standing out in front of our local pharmacy, like 45 minutes before it opened. Cause he didn't know when it opened. And he's just standing out there. Like we're wrapping our baby in towels. We need diapers, you know? So just knowing that that's kind of, you know, set it and forget it. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing too. Like I was recently talking to a friend and her sister had been struggling with breastfeeding and it was maybe two in the morning and she was just like, oh my gosh, like my baby needs to be fed. You know, like this is, this is just gotten too far and, you know, like we can still work on breastfeeding and stuff, but at this moment, like my baby needs to be fed. And they did not prepare for what happens if breastfeeding doesn't work out or what do we do if the milk isn't coming in or, or things like that. And so there was no formula in the house. And she had sent her husband out to go get some formula and nowhere was open. Nowhere had formula. So they had to wait until the morning, like for somewhere to open. And and it is stressful. And especially like I said, like, you know, your baby just wants to be fed and like you can hear their cries and you're trying so hard. But like sometimes it's just like, you know, you have to keep that 
can of like formula, like just somewhere or, you know, like make sure that your supply is is good because I had a hard time at nights. That's when my milk was always the lowest. And so like if you're maybe like pumping during the day, like just keeping that like extra supply, you know, to have in the middle of the night feedings because you might sort of slow down at that period and then it all of a sudden comes back in in the morning, but like your baby is still like struggling in those moments. So I think just kind of like putting like some of those expectations aside and understanding that we can't plan everything out and that we can't predict everything that's going to happen and setting up those things to be a little bit more proactive I, I think can alleviate the stress off of new moms. Totally. Yeah. And having that break glass in case of emergency formula, it's just like you said, like it's not giving, you know, it's not defeatist. It's just, you know, you're, that would, that's such an emotional, like th- that I can, I, I was just catapulted back to that feeling of when your your baby is crying and you know what they need, but you can't give it to them. And it's such a helpless feeling. So just having the just in case is, I think, in mind for sure. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add or any like final piece of, you know, advice or things that you've learned or specific things that have happened in your early motherhood days that you'd like to give the listeners? I mean, I, I just, I think that the, um, the lessons that I've learned in you know, in those early months, I, I, my husband and I used to say, you can get through anything if you can get through the first six months of having a baby, because it's so by the skin of your teeth, right? It's, you are, everyone's in survival mode a little bit, right? And, and so just having, I think if you just have some effort to prepare some of these things in advance, then, then you'll just feel a little bit more in control. that said, you know, it, it is it, an expect the unexpected time, right? And I think moms and dads just need to have a, a bit of a go with the flow attitude and just have grace for themselves, of, you know, that everything's just a phase. And, you know, you don't need to, like, I was very much the kind of person who wanted to accomplish everything, you know, and I think I had to sort of settle into this idea of, I'll get to that in the next phase, right? Like I'll, I'll, I just need to focus on feeding my baby and, and, you know, sleeping when I can. And, and, and just, it will, it will, you will come to a point where um, you feel like you have more bandwidth. Um, But initially just be kind to yourself. I think Um, that would be my advice. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, you know, for coming on and sharing your wisdom of motherhood and everything that you've been through and and what you've started for other moms is amazing. So I'd really love to just hear, you know, like where you're at on social media, how we can get in contact with you, everything like that. Sure. So I, um, the website for the Parent Collective is just www.theparentcollective.com. Um, we are on Instagram and Facebook at the Parent Collective TPC, so like the initials of the Parent Collective, um, one word, and um, and then you can reach me on you know by email at Jessica at the Parent Collective dot com. 
um, and I, um, you know, organize all of our classes and then I'm, I'm coaching for moms. So if any moms wanted to reach out to learn more about that, they can just email me. Perfect. Thank you so much. Sure. Of course. Thank you. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood.